Hi everyone, so my name is Cameron McDonald. My name is Abby Denshaw. And today we'll be talking about hybrid media and the public sphere and politics and how all those kind of relate and mesh together. Um, first, we want to talk about hybrid media, which is essentially the strategic use of traditional and new media to communicate your message. Um, the idea of that is that each form of media is not unique in itself, but it's actually made up of ideas from other media as well. Um, there's kind of two parts in this. Um, the first part is just um, the history of hybrid media um, and the history of other medias. Um, so essentially, um, when there was just like before printing or anything like that, people told stories. Um, and then when we started printing, there was kind of a storytelling way to the way that people wrote. Um, also with that, um, the phonograph, it started as something just for business and railroad communication and then transitioned to entertainment purposes. Um, and each, uh, improvement upon printed text also has a part of oral connection. For example, in the 19th century, there was more conversational journalism, which was borrowed from that, um, oral tradition as well as um, early cinema, it drew heavily on photography, similar to how television drew on electric light shows. Um, so that's that part of that kind of um, each media drawing on another um, and that each media isn't essentially unique. Um, and then there's the other part of that, which Abby will tell a little bit more about. So along with like the secondary part of hybrid media, we just wanted to touch base on what the public sphere is because that's a lot of the different interactions and how um, the secondary part of hybrid media is really connected to politics and all the different interactions. So basically a public sphere um, is like a marketplace of ideas where people can come together and either agree or disagree and just kind of have a debate as to what the conversation is going on about and this relates back to the idea of how in the past we didn't have all the different ways to interact and connect as we do today. Um, the most basic form of a public sphere that we can relate to today's um, type is with social media. Um, the very basis of what social media was created for was for social interactions um, as a way to share what's happening in the world and happening in politics and how it all interconnects. So basically the two main platforms that you see this with are on Facebook and Twitter. So with that being said, um, we wanna draw attention to the fact that it's mainly connected to democratic societies because we really get more of a free um, public space as to where you can talk and have better interactions. Um, with that being said, it's also we have more of a freedom to share and associate our ideas as we have the ability to help make a selection as to who will become our next political, you know, practice, who's going to be in charge of the country, whether we are going to lean more towards the left or towards the right. Um, so we think that's definitely pretty important to note. Um, another idea of, that we wanted to kind of just bring up is just how in the past things, as Cameron mentioned before, is back in the public sphere of when um, information wasn't as easily disseminated. Uh, things like the religious 
problems as to where people were trying to create and hold um, different ideologies. And when information became more accessible through media, um, we really got a look into how it started to become more of a hybrid media in the 1500s. Um, so you see those media interactions, how it started orally by people connecting that way and then through the printing press and it really started to make it easier for information to be spread about. Um, and now today, um, as it states in the textbook, you know, all different kinds of media have always been connected and a way kind of to understand uh, that it's this conceptualized ideology um, is by understanding it's built upon interactions between newer and older media logistics. So when we say newer media logistics, we're talking about um, all the different uh, forms of technology. And this kind of relates to the idea of a public sphere and how it's all interconnected just because information can never be disseminated as easily as it is now. Um, and that kind of plays into the fact that public spheres um, with social media especially, because all you need is internet access and a device that you can access the internet on as a way to connect um, and be a part of that public sphere. And that public sphere kind of gets muddled in the sense of um, there's a lot of ways you can take it overall as one platform or people as in one area. So with democratic societies in mind, especially we have, I think, the easiest way of being a part of the public sphere because we read, we mostly have free speech. We can say pretty much anything we want to um, within regard to how we feel about a political candidate, but we cannot, I mean, there's always limitations, um, but that's definitely something to know. And that kind of comes into play with the idea of anybody nowadays can create a social media platform for the most part, like I mentioned, and anybody can put their ideas out onto the internet and say what they want to say and bring in their own political beliefs and s disseminate information to mass amounts because all you have to do is click a button and retweet or favorite something if you agree with what that person is saying. And you can literally fight with someone across the world at your fingertips because we are so connected um, through all of our new technology, technological advances, excuse me. Um, yeah, which kind of leads us into the ideology of things like fake news and different ways we're connected in the media, which Cameron can touch more on. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> although it is great that everyone can share their opinion um, and we can have access to opinions that we've never thought about um, or information that we haven't heard before, the downside to that is that um, anyone can publish their ideas, which means that anyone who is less educated um, ignorant about a topic, um, doesn't want to believe different things. Um, <clears throat> anyone can post anything, whether it's true or not. Um, and more often than not, if they don't, if people don't have the conscious, um, thought of, is this true or is this not, um, they'll just see something and believe it. Um, which is really bad because that creates a lot of misinformation and I feel like, especially recently, that's been happening a lot with social media um, and the idea of fake news, which is basically what I explained how um, people will have an idea about something, post it, and someone will take that as an actual fact um, and then think it's true and then 
post it elsewhere and things like that. Um, and it just kind of blows up into things more than you would even think it would. Um, which um, is the downside of having um, this public sphere where everyone can get their information. Um, I know, especially millennials and Gen Z, um, sometimes their main source of news is social media, like Twitter and Facebook especially. So if they're getting information that's wrong and they think that is truthful news, then they're really mistaken. An example of that is... um, Recently, uh, the FDA has warned the e-cigarette maker Juul um, over its illegal marketing practices. There's also been just people who have beliefs about Juuls that are wrong. Um, The way that Juul has been marketing its product is that it's a healthier alternative. Um, You won't smell like cigarette smoke and all those things. And um, people have been saying the same thing, like it's so much better. Um, it's a lot healthier, it's cooler, and that gives the wrong idea because essentially it is just as bad, if not worse, than smoking is. It's not really an alternative, and so a lot of people are getting into trouble with that. Um, Another example is the high turnover rates with Trump staff and all that stuff that Abby can talk more about. (laughs) So with that being said, Um, With fake news kind of in mind, we just kind of wanted to touch base on something Chadwick said in our textbook, um, talking about the idea of hybridity in different cultures and different, um, I guess, like always changing media forms. Um, You kind of have to think about how there's kind of a fine line between what should be news and what should be entertainment and and how kind of this idea of fake news comes to be is a lot of times you see things, especially on social media, as we're using this public sphere to look at, um, like Cameron mentioned, you know, the political administration and all the high turnover. Um, Another staff member actually just said that they wanted to retire. So a lot of this ideology where people are talking about how it comes to be is because a lot of people take things that should be taken seriously, like turnover in presidential offices and actually understanding what's happening or going on in the office that people, you know, are retiring so often and there's such a high turnover, especially in this candidacy. Um, It's just like people change it and put it into like different graphics and put them into what social media calls memes, which is they poke fun about these issues. um, And that's the way that they take political standpoint and a lot of people will see these small, you know, like little moments or small like pictures or small quotes and they take them out of context and it changes the meaning and it creates all this um, rise and you can do what's called like mass media sharing where you can be on like the top news story and it can be something that isn't even remotely true or accurate, which becomes the ideology of fake news as a whole. Yeah. And then also with that on the political level, um, I think something that's really interesting is how during election time, um, if you're on YouTube, some controversial videos kind of resurface about um, the people that are running um, and they can just show up on your feed and people will click on them and see them 
and feel really strongly one way or the other about them and they'll be from years and years ago and it's something that's not even relevant to the time period necessarily it could be too but um sometimes it's like not even relevant um and it just kind of clouds people's judgment and they take the wrong opinion from it um and also just having these old videos and things like that it just helps make us more polarized so you have a stronger opinion about one way or the other um and just with media in general um it's been kind of helping to do that because you see the opinions of certain people and you make an opinion on that um even more quickly than we have before so So this kind of all relates back to the ideology that hybrid media really is interconnections between different intercepts all over, different media platforms. Um, Just how hand-in-hand all these ideas go together with the public sphere and how hybrid media kind of connects and relates all these different topics and how anybody can be a part of that marketplace. Um, So we just kind of wanted to bring a couple of examples to help you guys better understand what's really, I guess, involved in our public sphere um, while we're all, you know, around and especially in this like time frame and all the things that are happening around us that really can kind of connect and relate to this idea of hybrid media. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.